Theology Thursday live, and we have had tornado warnings around here, and I was going to broadcast from the hidden bunker underneath the building here, but um, I think we're okay now. There's a raging creek behind me, but um, not directly, but back there behind the, the building here. Um, so we were talking at lunch, my wife and I, and we're like, I need to go do Theology Thursday now where everybody's um, running from tornadoes. And um, we're talking about repentance, repent, the end is near. I don't want to joke about such things with it being rather serious, but so is uh, repentance being serious as well. And continuing to go through um, this book, Thomas Watson, I know it's backwards, Puritan paperbacks, um, uh, is written in the 1600s. Um, it's called The Doctrine of Repentance. And um, you can also hear these messages if you don't have time to like watch them or something on um, podcasts. So we're recording these um, with just the audio as well. You can go to Google Podcasts, iTunes, um, all places where you can find a podcast. You Google um, Theology Thursday Live, and um, you can find these where we have different things that we're podcasting. And you can also um, search for Second Street PCA, where you're looking for podcasts, and that's where we put our sermons and maybe a few different things. Looking at doing another type of podcast where we interview people. So um, if you know my son Ian Thomas, start... Um, working on him so that we can get him to come in and we'll do an interview, see what it's like to be a pastor's son and different things. Uh, he's an engineer as well, so you get a perspective from, from that perspective. So today, though, we are looking into, uh, also pray for our, I'm going to Haiti first week of March and then the team from the church, I'm going with them again the uh, first week of May, and we're raising money for that. So um, if you haven't given money yet, we would be happy for you to do that. And it's a relatively inexpensive trip as far as um, a, a week in a hotel and food for the whole time, transportation, the whole thing. I think it's like 1200 $1,250 a person, I think it ends up being 1300 something like that. And there are seven of us. So, um, again, be in prayer. For that, well, let's get to it here. We're talking about uh, repentance, and here Thomas Watson is talking about um, powerful motives to drive us to repentance. He gives, I think, um, fourteen, but we're only going to cover half of them today. Um, but they're good. Some very interesting things that are in here. A lot of times, Puritans get a bad rap. Um, you know, somebody's puritanical; they're just holier than thou, and they. Um, you know, all these things, and, and the Puritans probably were holier than we are, to our shame, but um, they were, you know, they were pretty, they were normal people, too, though, and they, um, you need to read, uh, you want to read some good devotional material, read some devotional writing, read some Puritan writings. Uh, some of the Puritans and some of their books are thick, and um, just um, maybe read a part of it or something, and you have to take your time. The wording can be a little um, old and archaic, and they have a good, strong vocabulary, but you know, it makes you feel better about yourself after you've read it, even if you don't understand it. So, powerful motives to repentance. Number one, he says, sorrow and melting of heart fits us for holy duty. So the sorrow and the melting of the heart fits us, makes us ready to do our holy duty. He says, a piece of lead, while it is in the lump, can be put to no use, but melt it, and you can then cast it into any mold, and it is made useful. 
So a heart that is hardened into a lump of sin is good for nothing, but when it is dissolved by repentance, it is useful. That's pretty cool. I like that analogy there. So uh, a, a hard heart, you can't do anything with it. It's like lead. My dad used to make these um, weights that go on a, a fishing line out of lead, and he had these molds, but you just heat the lead up, and it turns liquidy and you put it in the molds and you can shape it and so a heart that's been humbled and melted um, can be fit for many things and one it's he says a melting heart is fit to pray so if you've been humbled by repentance or sorrows or trials or anything like this and it works on your heart one of the things that helps you to be able to do is to be able to pray better he quotes acts 9 11 paul's heart was humbled and melted and then be, they said behold how he prays it is fit to hear the word. So your heart then begins to fit. It means be get put into good condition to be able to hear the word of God. Uh, now the word works kindly. When Josiah, one of the kings, when Josiah's heart was tender, he humbled himself and he rent his clothes. He, he tore his clothes at the hearing of the word of the law. So when your heart is ready, then you can really hear the word speak. Uh, a melting heart is fit to obey. Um, Acts 9, 6, he says, Lord, what will thou have me to do? So, you know, you just a tender heart is ready to do what God um, would have us to do. Two, repentance is highly acceptable. So when a spiritual river runs to water this garden, then our hearts are a garden of Eden delightful to God. So repentance is like a river that... Um, that causes fruit to grow. Um, the sacrifices of God from Psalm 51, sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Mary stood at Jesus' feet weeping. Tears are powerful orators for mercy. So, you know, they're, they're crying out um, for the mercy of God. They are silent, yet they have a voice. Um, Psalm 6, 8, the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. And that's very comforting to know that God hears this. And then Puritan writer John Owen would add, um, lest you start to believe that your repentant tears are what makes God have to save you, he says that even our tears of repentance have to be washed by the blood of Christ. So that's interesting. So even our, our, our tears of repentance are not what saves us. It's the Lord Jesus Christ saves us. But a softened heart um, can see its sin and be repentant for it. But what that does is, is that makes God, uh, he, he responds well and kindly to that. Um, you could have a God that like just gets mad at you all the time, like a bad parent. You know, you say, I'm sorry, and you really are sorry, but they don't care. You know, they're just going to beat you and treat you poorly, but God is not that sort of a father. Third, and how many are we going to do so you'll kind of know where we are? Um, we're going to do six of these and this is the third one repentance commends all our services to god repentance commends all our services to god all right let's see what he says prayer is delightful to god when it ascends from the altar of a broken heart the publican smote upon his breast saying words he was striking his chest saying god be merciful merciful to me a sinner and this prayer pierced heaven he went away justified rather than the other. The other was saying, thank you, God, I'm not like this sinner. But this sinner that was pleading his heart to God, um, God saved him. Number four, without repentance, nothing will, nothing will avail us. Okay, without repentance, nothing will avail us. Some bless themselves that they have a stock of knowledge. So you get a lot of stuff you know. I know everything in all these books. Okay, um, but what 
is knowledge good for without repentance? It is better to mortify one sin. That means to kill one sin. It's better to kill one sin than to understand all mysteries. Impure speculatists, like that. somebody just speculates on stuff, people who are theologians, people who are just, you know, they, they, they know a lot about the Bible and the church and theology and these things, but they're not broken. Their hearts aren't broken yet. They, they, it hasn't really got in and touched them. It is amazing. People that spend their entire lives um, studying the Word of God, writing books about the Word of God, and they don't believe it. It's just like they're very interested in it as a historical, philosophical concept, but they don't believe the very things that it says. And um, it takes more faith to do that than it does just to believe what it says. It's um, very interesting. Sorry about that. Where was I? It is better to kill one sin than to understand all mysteries. Impure speculatists do but resemble Satan transformed into an angel of light. You know, ooh, burn. I mean, that's like... (laughs) He could have tweeted that, you know. So, you know, if you're an impure person who's just studying and you know a lot of things about theology, you look more like Satan transformed into an angel of light. It's just a lie. Um, Knowledge without repentance will be put to a torch to light men to hell. All right. Five, repenting tears are delicious. They may be compared to myrrh which, though it is bitter in taste and has a sweet smell and refreshes the spirits. So repentance, though it is bitter in itself, yet it is sweet in the effects it brings inward peace. Um, It's kind of interesting. I I think it's not just true for repentance. It's true for any trials, any sufferings we go through um, brings us to this. And he talks about myrrh. I think about coffee. a lot. I think about coffee. Uh, I know my son, speaking of Ian, he um, doesn't like coffee, but he loves the way it smells. I mean, most people, I think, love the way coffee smells, but if you just taste it, just, you know, it does not taste like it smells by itself. Um, he says, so it can be, it can be bitter itself, but it has this sweet effect. So, um, tears, as the philosopher notes, have four qualities. They're moist, salt, hot, and bitter. And it's true of repenting tears. They are hot to warm a frozen conscience. They're moist to soften a hard heart. They have salt to season a soul putrefying in sin. And bitter to wean us from the love of the world. And I will add a fifth. They are sweet in that they make the heart inwardly rejoice. Let a man, said Augustine, grieve for his sin and rejoice for his grief. That's a very good quote. St. Augustine, let a man grieve for his sin and rejoice for his grief. That's deep. I'm going to put that on my Facebook page later. Um, Six, great sins repented of shall find mercy. This is very good too. This is this is worth the price of admission. Um, he says, But though our sins are of scarlet color, God's mercy can wash them away. This may comfort those whom the heinousness of their sin discourages as if there were no hope for them. So some people, I mean, all our sin is, is most heinous and terrible, but some people really have a sense of the horrific nature of their sin and therefore it can make them think god can never forgive me i, I ought never to be forgiven, and, and that's true you ought never to be forgiven there's no reason for it except 
God's grace and mercy and wanting to demonstrate um, the, 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 the lengths and depths of his love that he would go to to save us from our sin by sending his son to die on the cross in our place. So this may comfort those whom the heinousness of their sin discourages as if there were no hope for them. Yes, upon their serious turning to God, their sins shall be expunged and done away with. So expunged means it's, it's gone. I mean, it's no longer in the record. You go to, if somebody has their uh, a criminal record expunged, Amy, correct me if I'm wrong, if somebody has their criminal record expunged, when people go to look it up, it's not there. And so that's what happens to our sin. If Satan ever wants to challenge God and say, why did you let him into heaven? And he just open up the books and go, well, there, I see nothing against him here. And not only are, the, are, the, are our records um, wiped clean, but there are also lots of positive justices, lots of positive um, things that are listed in there that merit our salvation. And it's all the work of Christ. So everything God ever did in Christ that earned blessing is credited to our account. So that's the good news of Jesus Christ. He says, um, Oh, but my sins are out of measure sinful. All right. Oh, but my sins are out of measure sinful. I've had sins beyond measure. Okay, you can't even, my sins are so bad you can't even measure it. Do not make them greater by not repenting. That's cool. I'm going to put that on Facebook a little bit too. That um, do not make them greater. So you talk about my sin is so bad I can't, God will never forgive me. Well, don't make your sin greater by not repenting. Um, that's it. That's that's very good because there is a, a fountain open for salvation. Oh, but I have relapsed into sin after pardon, and surely there's no mercy for me. So I've asked forgiveness, I've repented, I've cried, I've done all these things, and sincerely so. And then you fall right back into it. You do the very thing that you were very repentant of, you've done it again. And he says, um, the children of God have relapsed into the same sin. Abraham did twice equivocate. Lot committed incest twice. Asa, a good king, yet sinned twice by creature confidence. And Peter twice by carnal fear. Um, Christ commands us to forgive our trespassing brother 70 times 7 in one day in case he repents. If the Lord bids us do it, will not he be much more ready to forgive upon our repentance? What is our forgiving mercy to his? This I speak not to encourage any impenitent sinner, so somebody that is not sorry for their sin, I'm not telling you this, to encourage you to sin, but to comfort a despondent sinner, a sinner who just feels they're, they're done, God can never love them, God can never use them, God would never um, you know, have any use for them. But he says these things to comfort a despondent sinner that thinks it is in vain for him to repent and that he is excluded from mercy. He says, no, you are not excluded from mercy. The matter of fact, the more you recognize the depth of your sin before God, the more your heart is impacted by these things, um, the more God is ready. It's God. That's God working on you. Um, you see, God hardened Pharaoh's heart in Exodus, and it also says Pharaoh hardened his own heart. So, you know, which is it? Did God do it, or is Pharaoh doing it? And the answer is like, yes. And I believe the way that Pharaoh hardens, the way that God hardens Pharaoh's heart is simply by commanding him to do something that he doesn't want to do. Let my people go, and it hardened Pharaoh's heart. Um, and we know that if you have children, or if you've ever been a child, or if you're just a human being, um, which two of those three things would have to be true for you if you're listening to this. 
I guess a dog can be listening. But if you're understanding what I'm saying, then you know um, exactly um, what it's like for somebody to tell you to do something that you don't want to do. And you might do it, but it just hardens your heart. So um, what God does when he softens our hearts, you begin to recognize the things that God commands aren't burdensome. They aren't like heavy and weighty. The heaviness and weightiness is a desire to want to do them better. And that God loves our repentant tears. He's ready to forgive. And um, since he tells us to be so quick to forgive and to give mercy, that you know we can expect that he would as well. And we have his spirit within us, the spirit of adoption, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. So as a believer who has turned from our sins unto Christ, we've had the Holy Spirit um, come into our lives and producing fruit of the Spirit. And um, you have a, a gracious Father who cares for you and doesn't waste anything that goes on in your life and nothing happens in the life of, of a believer that doesn't first pass through the filter of his love. Read that somewhere, but um, yeah, so a lot of people, there were tornadoes a day and people lost their homes and um, a lot of property damage and things too. I haven't heard of any physical harm, but it could have been so, um, and there's still storms out there. So um, keep people in your prayer, in your prayers, pray for us, we'll pray for you. Find a church that believes the Bible and is willing to sit down with you and answer your questions and and um, pray with you and work with you through your struggles and um, and find a church where you can discover your gifts, put them to use, and encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. All right, like this and share this if you if you feel like it, and look up those um the the podcast when we when we post these. One of them's Theology Thursday Live. The other one is um, Second Street PCA, and it's good to subscribe to those and like those. And um, I mean, we don't think we're all that or anything. But if somebody's you know maybe you listen to this and not something else, I don't know. There's worse things you can listen to. All right. God bless. Thank you guys for everything and see you soon.